Hello, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Gabriela Barco, reporter at Modern Retail. This week, I'm chatting with Carly McGinnis, head of production, sales, and logistics at Exploding Kittens. We'll be talking about the company moving production and shipping routes away from China and splitting some production to other markets like Mexico in order to get goods shipped to the U.S. faster. Hi, Carly. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. Hi, Gabriela. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. So first off, Carly, tell us what Exploding Kittens is. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the company, about yourself, and what you do at the company. Give us the entire spiel. Yeah. Okay. Well, Exploding Kittens is a card game, board game company. Um, So we make games, physical games. We also have a digital game. But primarily, um, we're all about getting you away from your screens and interacting with your loved ones, your friends. Um, Exploding Kittens is also our uh, hero title. It's our key game. And um, it's a little bit like Uno uh, meets Russian roulette, but with cats that can kill you. Um, so, uh, all the, um, all the art, uh, is drawn by the oatmeal. He's an online comic, web comic. And then, um, our lead game designer and CEO is Alon Lee, um, formerly of Microsoft Xbox. Um, he was a video game designer for years and, um, I actually worked with him, uh, we had a stint at Microsoft together where we overlapped and I worked for him, uh, about six years ago. And uh, during that time, he was playtesting this card game in the office called Bomb Squad. And it was just like a a game, you know, with a poker deck that had Sharpies written on it. And that uh, that game, he then introduced it to Matt Inman from The Oatmeal. And Matt was like, this is an amazing game, but like the name is so boring, Bomb Squad, like terrible. So why don't you like, you know, subvert it a little bit and call it exploding kittens because like kittens are cute no one wants to explode kittens and cats on the internet are you know hugely popular and so they put the the two together and they put it on kickstarter back in 2015 and it um you know blew up uh no pun intended and we raised about nine million dollars in the course of 30 days on this crowdfunding campaign and then you know the rest is history we went on to selling it on amazon target walmart and so um we make a whole you know whole additional amount of games now we've got um this game called throw throw burrito which is dodgeball meets cards um and we have about 20 titles now so that's uh that's what we're up to over here Got it. Obviously, like everyone else, uh, Exploding Kittens has uh, seen a lot of increased demand and thus uh, supply chain uh, hiccups that are impacting the company and some of your production and importing uh, logistics. So why don't you walk us uh, to start? Why don't you walk us a little bit through when you started seeing some of the challenges uh, during the pandemic. And then we'll get into some of the production and uh, route solutions that I mentioned. Yeah. I mean, we've had challenges, I think, for now two years. I mean, what is time? So that seems Mm -hmm. about the right duration. Um, The initial challenges were not so much with production or the freight coming out of China, but more so with warehouses domestically shutting down. Um, having certain retailers block non-essential items. We make board games, card games. They're physical paper products. So clearly they're not essential to life necessarily, even though I 
think otherwise. But um, there were certain retailers that blocked them incoming. So we had some hiccups, you know, back in March of 2020. And then the freight um, and supply chain issues started to compound towards the end of 2020 and really escalated into the beginning of 2021 this year. And part of that has to do with the fact that you your products are produced in China, right? Correct. About 90, 95% of all of our goods are produced in China. We have in the past produced things in Poland, um, but China just offers efficiency, um, quality materials, and just speed to market like no other location worldwide for us. And so it, we have been tremendously reliant on China since the beginning of the company. Right. And of course, that encompasses the actual factory manufacturing uh, side and then also the uh, you know ocean freight or shipping. So Correct. why don't we get a little bit into what that looked like previously, you know, as you were really growing right before the pandemic and even in the first year. Um, and then uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about how you're sort of, you know, trying to diversify that side of um, production in order to just, you know, find more ways to produce enough uh, product, not only for your own, uh, you know, site or your own channel, but also for your retail partners, uh, which we'll get into. Sure. So in terms of just like speed to, you know, and end door, so we call it door to door. So leaving China to our warehouse somewhere in California or in the US, I mean, it used to take 20 days, you know, 25 days. It's now double that, at least. Um, we're now seeing on average 44 days. I mean, I've seen like 72, 75 days recently. So there is significant freight delays coming out of China. And when I talk to my logistics team, you know, it's just been incredibly taxing and hard on them. When I ask the question of bandwidth wise, like on a scale of one to 10, where are you? They're, you know, at a 23. It's just nonstop. Um, and there are all sorts of issues um, you've probably read about this in the news, port congestion, a lack of truck drivers, lack of labor. Um, I just read about a potential Long Beach port union strike happening in July of next year. <laughs> um, there are typhoons in China and hurricanes in, in, you know, in the South here, and there's a lack of container ships and container ships are just going back to China because the route is more, is they're going to get more money to come from China to the U.S. than they are carrying a full load back to China. And uh, we also had uh, the misfortune of having a container on a ship going into Canada a couple months ago that just caught on fire. So um, I think that there are just so many things compounding this and making this harder. And it's making uh, the route time significantly longer. So... Because of that, we've had to really consider where we should make the goods. China is essentially a single point of failure. Um, we can't solely rely on making everything there. The problem is some of our games have certain plastic components or foam or use certain kinds of molds that 
absolutely have to be made in China. We haven't been able to find or source the materials out elsewhere. So we looked at some of our, you know, purely paper products. Um, Exploding Kittens is one of them. Um, we have a new game coming out next year that's that's fully paper, and we're sourcing locations in Mexico. Um, we've also been working with the Polish factory and U- the U.S. as well. So trying to do anything we can to not just rely on China because the biggest you know risk is they shut down from a COVID outbreak or right. the freight delays are so bad or so expensive we can't afford to get the inventory in and we're out of stock. And that's a risk that I cannot take. And it sounds like it's just a perfect storm that's, um, you know, forcing you to not only look to other production, but also actually, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the rerouting that's happening, uh, you know, due to that. Um, I've heard that, you know, the Long Beach (laughs) of it all um, has really impacted you. So tell me, before we get into the other market, the Mexico production, tell me a little bit about... um, what that solution looks like. Uh, I've heard, you know, Seattle is one that you're considering or are working with. Can you give us some more on that? So we've done it all. I mean, we have a main warehouse in Carson, so it makes Carson, California. So it makes sense to send things directly through Long Beach, usually. Um, But to be honest with you, we have sent things through the Panama Canal around to the other side of the U.S. and gotten things trucked across country faster than we have getting into Long Beach. We did use Seattle. Um, we have a warehouse up there in Tacoma, and uh, we thought that was a brilliant idea. Um, unfortunately, a lot of uh, the plan was to supply POs and orders for Walmart out of that uh, location, and there is a shortage of Walmart truck drivers in the Pacific Northwest. They don't have a lot of uh, stores up there, so that plan sort of backfired on us. Um there was also significant delays up there as well. We also uh, rerouted some things through Houston. Um, there was a, a shortage of truck drivers there, also a hurricane happening at the same time. Um, so really nothing is safe. Uh, you you should try as much as possible. The rails are, are backed up. So getting things trucked from, even if you get it through the port of Long Beach, getting it onto a train and getting it to Chicago is another, you know, it takes five days normally. It's sometimes like 15 so it's it's sort of just been a win a loss you know loss situation regardless of what we've tried to do um but we haven't given up yet we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back before we move on i'd love to also get any sort of uh color on the cost right that you're uh basically eating from from all of these solutions. Uh, I've heard, you know, double or triple cross-country trucking or freight costs right now. So especially for a startup brand, that that can be sometimes detrimental. So can you, um yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you're trying to still improve margins at the same time as uh, eating some of the costs? Yeah, um, it's much worse than that, unfortunately, for us. Um, we've seen container costs uh, upward of a seven times what they were last year. Um, we used to pay somewhere around, you know, twenty five hundred five grand a container. And we, at the height of this, this has gone down a slightly, but we're seeing $35,000 a container. So I have no idea how smaller companies are faring. Um, in, in fact, I know some of them are just not shipping product. They're storing it at the factories in China, just waiting this out. And because of that, the storage is being maxed out at different factories. When we print things, we've nonstop been printing all year, 
we got to get it out of there. But sometimes we can't find a container to put it on. And so it just becomes this whole backlog. And that then slows down the production line for future goods we want to make. Right. Yeah, I've heard, uh, you know, some horror stories. And one small uh, brand founder said that um, she's actually considering driving trucks across the country herself just to save some money. So it's not a bad idea. A lot of crazy anecdotes coming out. If you can find a truck to drive, it's really not a terrible idea. Yeah, just strap in your family and drive your product across the country. Um, Speaking of uh, production, I want to get a little bit into the diversification that's happening. You mentioned Mexico and Poland and sort of going back to the drawing board to find, um, you know, just new plants pretty much uh, to accommodate your retailers, especially going into the holidays. Can you go a little bit into what that entails? What kind of, um, you know, new deals you've had to make with this? Yeah. I mean, it's really, really challenging. There's different materials available. I mean, it seems very simple, like it's just paper, but it's it's actually quite complex. There's different gradients, there's different thicknesses, there's different finishes. Um, and we are very particular. We make really high quality games. It's very important to us that they feel and look nice. And so some things are just not available. So we've had to kind of pivot our thinking around what uh, material we're going to use, what color core we're going to use, and try to find somewhere that can that can make that. The other mm-hmm. challenge is some of these factories don't actually have the right machinery to cut the cards in the right way. Our cards have like a three millimeter radius on the edges of them. Sometimes that's not available. And so it's really hard to keep a consistent product through um, all your units when you're doing some of them in China and some of them in Mexico. And so it's been six months of vetting this process with different factories. It's not like you can snap your fingers and just move a production line over. Um, I mean, I guess you could do that, but you're going to risk quality and be um, regretful later. So it's taken us a long time, um, but we have been very diligent in sourcing different, um, different options. And so one of the other things that we've considered is not making certain types of games next year. Um, not making games that are solely reliant on China, um, more card-based games and things that, you know, have less plastic or inflatable material so that um, we have an option to diversify them. Um, we we also started a new line of puzzles. So we make games, um, card games, board games, but we also started making jigsaw puzzles. And um, we've been making those uh, 100% in Mexico and the U.S. And so mm-hmm. that's been a really interesting um, pivot on our part. I would say it wasn't totally intentional, but um, that we were planning this around the supply chain crisis because we we had already had plans to do this. But it certainly has been helpful to start up a new line of business that doesn't have any reliance on China. And then from there, um, I'd love to get a little bit into, you know, you just touched on your actual product development being uh, impacted by this. But not only that, but as a as a brand that sells at, you know, everything, everywhere from Walmart to Target uh, to also, you know, having been on this path to grow your own direct-to-consumer channel, that's also, of course, being um, the ripple effect is impacting that. So uh, I know this holiday season, you mentioned that you are prioritizing your retail partners, especially because games and toys have a huge shortage right now. So in order to really, um, you know, be able to accommodate them, you've uh, actually not paused necessarily, but you have you know scaled back your direct-to-consumer channel. So I'd love to get a little bit into that and 
what that actually entails. And I'm sure it's not as simple as it sounds as turning yeah. off a Shopify I mean, we, page. We started, we started the year and last year um, really making a company-wide goal around growing our D2C e-commerce site. And um, it was one of the number one priorities going into the year. Um, unfortunately, when you work with these big box retailers like Target, Walmart, Amazon, they have committed orders. Um, they've given you purchase orders in advance. And if you don't ship them on time, there are significant chargeback penalties. So what's really, you know, been hard for us is prioritizing D2C over Target or Walmart or Amazon because of that issue. They're also a much bigger part of our overall revenue. Um, right. We are very, very, you know, diligently trying to grow D2C, but it's really put a wrench in that in that goal. Um, regardless of that challenge, you know, year to date, our site is up um, about 72% versus where it was last year. So we are making improvements, but it has been through significant challenges. There's certain um, launches we wanted to do first to market on our site that we had to forego and just put into retail. Um, there have been gifts with purchase that we have planned to add to the site, um, which are which have launched, but were delayed. So um, it really impacts like how you think about marketing as well, right? Like how many how many ads are you going to send to the site, and is the inventory there to purchase? Right, like you don't want to be sending spending money on acquiring users, and then there's nothing for them to buy. So, yeah. certainly had a lot of pivots this year when thinking about D 2 C e commerce versus brick and mortar retail. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, um, I'd love to hear just um, an example of a way that you've been able to uh, prioritize a retailer. I know you mentioned it's obviously that has its own challenges, things like trucking, uh, drivers being in yeah. shortage. So uh, yeah, would love any um, more details on that. So, I mean, our logistics team has been amazing. This is one of the hardest years, if not the hardest year in this this industry's ever had. Um, and one of the things I'm very proud to say is we don't cancel orders. Um, most vendors you know, you've got to cancel POs here and there because you don't have stock or you don't have stock in the right location for the ship point that's been set up. And so one of the things that I'm very proud to say is we're so agile and nimble that we don't cancel orders. If we don't have, you know, throw throw burrito, for example, at our Chicago warehouse, which usually supplies Target, um, we'll set up a new order point in, you know, Seattle or Carson, where there is inventory and ship that order from there. So this has been very, very beneficial to us because it's kept us at, you know, 90 to 95% in stocks at these retailers. Um, your goal is usually to be 98. That's, that's, you want to have an A plus score, uh, in terms of how much inventory they have on hand. But, um, I, I'm very proud that we've been able to achieve those numbers this year. And uh, the other one of the other things that's interesting is these these different retailers order in different case pack quantities, which gets to be very confusing. And so we've been working with them this year to kind of be more uh, lenient on that rule so that we can ship whatever we have available when we have it. Um, they've also been very good about helping us forecast in advance and making sure all of us are on the same page as what they're going to order when. And uh, ensuring that we've got the stock ready for them to pick up when they're ready for it. I do want to circle back um, on the routing question um, from the alternative, you know, 
China locations. Um, I know I'm sure it's a little bit uh, early still, but are you seeing a, a significant improvement in shipping times just even from Poland? Or I mean, Mexico, I'm sure is <laughs> significantly shorter. It's it's better for sure. Um it's not all it's not even that it's it's shorter of a time it's the fact that you have more coming in more often right and so you've got more touch points and more paths and avenues to drive inventory to their end destination and so you just have more opportunity to get stuff in it on the right you know schedule that's really been our strategy there's delays everywhere i mean there's delays coming across the border from mexico um, of course, you know, it's it's a little bit easier because you don't have to deal with ocean and port congestion, but you have to deal with border, you know, uh, getting across the border. You've got to deal with the truck driver shortages, the rail shortages. It's kind of all the same thing. It's all messed up. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's one route that's better than the other. It's just having your eggs in more baskets. Um, right. we, also, we also looked at some air freight um, from China. It was not cheap, but we did um, in like, you know, September and October, we did about 5% of our inventory. We shipped over via air, um, which was a significant expense for us. But it also helped with that same diversification of entry and um, worked out quite well for us. Yeah, I think that diversification seems to be um, what everybody's realizing is just more vital than ever. Um, as long as, you know, you have levers to pull, it sounds like um, most most brands are, you know, really trying to utilize that, especially going to the holidays. So I want to touch on that before I let you go, um, you know, being a highly gifted brand. Um, it, it just if you can give us any detail on any sort of, uh, you know, wholesale orders that you've uh, already fulfilled. I've heard that a lot of companies, uh, you know, started on that in July significantly earlier than usual. So yeah, would love any details on that. I mean, we we didn't see um, a ton of difference in terms of like shifting orders that much earlier. We just saw more of them. Um, And they've continued. Uh, We last year had our best year ever. Um, We were up 93% in sales versus the year prior. And you know, I wasn't sure how we were going to comp this year. I was quite nervous going into it. But year to date, we're up um, 48% versus 2020. And 2020 was a phenomenal year for us. Um, in fact, last week was Black Friday, and we had our biggest sell-through week of ever um, as a company. We were up, you know, 382% versus the week prior and up 40% to the same week last year, the same Black Friday in 2020. So from a unit volume perspective, it has been a phenomenal return for us. Um, And I think the retailers across the board had pretty good uh, performance. I think that there were less deep discounts over the holidays, um, probably because of the lack of inventory across different publishers. But we've really just leaned into continuing to print you know, spending a little bit more to get inventory to them and getting it, you know, in from China. And it's really worked out well for us in terms of just overall performance. The last thing I really uh, would love to touch on is, are there any future strategies in place or that you're, you know, still maybe brewing right now going into 2022 that you're thinking about other than the ones already in place, like maybe some longer term solutions that you're thinking about? 100%. We are talking to a couple U.S. manufacturers who have some locations outside of the U.S. as well. 
and establishing long-term partnerships. Um, it is not as cost-efficient as China, but it will protect us for the future. And because these you know, relationships take a long time to build and also the product development is um, is something that we have to be very careful and cautious of. We want to start that now. So we're we're talking about, you know, forecasting and looking at bigger orders uh, for certain games with these different manufacturers so that we're set up for success. We also have already printed all of our units are being printed uh, for the first half of next year. So we can get all of them out of, out of China before Chinese New Year, if that's where they're being made. So um, it's a risk, you know, in terms of demand wise, because you're betting that you know what people are going to buy and you're betting on the forecast, but it's worth the risk to us because, you know, we'd rather not be stocked out. I think that's that's a great place to stop. Thank you so much for joining us, Carly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Come back next week for more Chain Reactions. I'm Gabriela Barco with Modern Retail. Thank you.